Hello, Mama. I hope your day is glorious. I am just grateful to sit here with you with my little heater on and just, I am a, such a California girl at this point that, um, it's probably, I don't know, sixties outside, maybe seventies at this point, And I got my heater blasting. It's probably cold inside. I don't know. I don't know what temperature, but, um, anyways, I love winter because I love heat just pouring onto me. Um, but anyways, I'm excited. I think today I say, I think, cause I'm pretty sure there's always more I want to say, but I think this is our last episode in our series how to stay married and have kids. And obviously this is not an exhaustive uh, conversation or resource for how to have a healthy marriage, but it's just a few things that were on my heart and um, some inspiration from what you guys shared in the Facebook group. And so I, I hope that it's helped you just kind of reset your mindset and help you have some tools to navigate things. Um, and I do want to encourage you, you know, again, this is not exhaustive. This is not the main reason why I'm here. Um, we mostly talk about motherhood, but this obviously goes into motherhood, but I want to encourage you to continue to seek out some resources. So I've talked before about, um, some podcasts, the naked marriage podcast is great. Um, I know one of the books that has changed my life and my marriage is the book loving him well. And, um, (laughs) if you are one of those people that are like, frustrated by your husband and you're like, I don't want to read a book about loving him well. Um, I want to encourage you the subtitle. This is what got me at the time. The subtitle is how to influence your husband. So if you are wanting to influence him, this is your book for you. And it truly changed so much about how I viewed marriage and was one of the greatest helps. And I've recommended it on the podcast before, and I've had multiple people email me and share that they read that book and it was a game changer for them as well. So, um, if you're struggling, go read that. Um, again, these conversations are just to, to begin this journey for you of um, having a healthy marriage. So that's a great book. Um, I also, if you want a marriage coach, um, Dr. Andy, if you go look up my well co, uh, Dr. Andy is a really great resource. He has a whole, um, clinic that him and his wife run. Um, they're out in Louisiana, but they do, especially if you want coaching, they do, um, you know, online coaching. So you can receive it anywhere, probably in the world for that matter. So go check him out. Um, he is um, actually my pastor's marriage coach and he came and did some talks for our church recently and he was just amazing. So highly recommend him if you guys need a marriage coach. Um, and then of course, like if you guys are struggling, I, you know, I should probably have a whole episode on this, but go and get therapy. And I think you guys know that at this point, um, but I just really want to encourage you, like you need help. You are not supposed to do this alone. There is no shame in getting coaching or therapy. All of us need it, no matter who we are. Again, I talk about my pastors and that's their marriage coach. And they've had therapists before that and coaches before that. Like we all need this. This is marriage is not meant to be done alone. So get some resources to move you forward. And if your husband is not open to that, then you get some therapy for yourself so you can work on one side of things and read that book that I just talked about, about um, loving him well. I can't remember who the author is. Uh, Uh, I should look that up. Let me see. Okay. It's by Gary Thomas. And, uh, the subtitle is practical advice for influencing your husband. So (laughs) you need some motivation to read it. Um, but just, just, I hope that this series 
has equipped you a little bit and inspired you a little bit and changed your mindset a little bit. But I hope overall it's just helped you see how important it is to invest in your marriage and that when you invest in your marriage, you're investing in your family um, as well as your life and you know, you're obeying God. So don't, don't fall into this, into what the culture says. Don't, um, just feel like it's okay to give up. You've got this. Keep working on healing. And if you have some serious, deeper issues, you know, I've talked about how a lot of these things I'm sharing don't apply to an abusive situation, um, or even situations with addiction. And so make sure you get help. Absolutely. And I I hope you already know that, but, um, do not keep navigating this alone. Go and find a therapist, a Christian therapist to help guide you in this. Um, a great place to find Christian therapists, um, restorationtherapytraining.com is a good start. Um, I know, yeah, I don't know all of those fully. I know I like how they've been trained, but it doesn't mean all of them fully align with a Christian biblical perspective. Um, but there are some Christian ones on there for sure. And then also, um, if you go into psychologytoday.com, I think, um, just filter for a Christian therapist and, and see if you can find one in your area or really like zoom. I used to be so against it, but now that I coach on zoom all the time, it's, it's amazing. It's really, you forget you're on it. I think being in the room is powerful. And so if that's available to you within your, um, region and you already have a trusted therapist or coach in the area, then great. If not, zoom is awesome option. Um, and also if you need someone in your area, ask your pastors, um, a lot of pastors, you know, I know not every pastor believes in therapy, but, um, for those that do, and you have some healthy pastors, then I encourage you to go ask them. And and if they don't believe in, um, therapists, they probably still believe in coaches or counselors, um, like a biblical counselor. So go ask them if they have some resources, because it doesn't have to be like a licensed therapist. There's so many different options. There's spiritual coaches. There's, there's so many things. So go and get resources. Okay. You know it. You heard me. All right, let's dive in because I have been talking a lot and I'm just excited. We're going to talk today about how to have healthy conflict. Conflict is essential. How do we do it healthily? Let's do this. Welcome to the Morning Mama podcast, where it is time to wake up to the life you were created for. Come join me on a journey to heal from your past, craft a healthy, joy-filled life, and discover the gifts and passions inside of you that the world needs. Hi, I'm Brittany, a former marriage and family therapist who is ready to help you grab hold of your courage, step out in faith, and discover that your life can become more than you ever dreamed possible. This is Morning Mama, a place for you to throw off all that has been holding you back and run into true freedom. mama. I'm excited to wrap up this series with you and we're going to talk about a big one today and this is how to have healthy conflict. And I know everyone um, probably falls into very different uh, spots on the spectrum with this. I know there are some couples that avoid all conflict at all cost, and um, no one ever brings up anything. Everyone just kind of walks on eggshells sometimes, and um, people, you know, and, and maybe even if you feel like something's wrong, you convince yourself it's not, and you don't bring anything up. And so I know there's couples that fall on that side. 
And then there's couples that fall on the other side and are very high conflict. My husband and I are kind of more on this side of things, or at least we used to be. Um, I think we're like pretty close to the middle now. We've been doing pretty well, but for sure, I think we tend towards this side still, um, mostly because of me, (laughs) but I, because I just can't not bring things up sometimes, although I've gotten better and we'll talk about how to do that well, but all that to say, some couples are, you know, constantly in conflict and there's lots of conflict and it's, it's big conflict. Um, and I think these, those kind of couples, um, you know, the unhealthy side of that, because I think you can be anywhere on the spectrum and be healthy. You know, I think, there's going to be some conflict that does need to happen to have a healthy relationship. So if you're maybe too far on the non-conflict part, maybe it's not, you can't be healthy. But what I want to say is you can be a a high conflict couple and a low conflict couple and still be healthy. It just depends on how you're having that conflict, right? So for the high conflict couple, the struggle is not yelling and not name calling and not um, saying never and always and, and not bringing every little thing up all the time. Right. And, and so that that's kind of the struggle on that side. And then the other side, it's, it's making sure you do talk about some things and, and you do have some conflict and you don't ignore things or suppress things. So all of us are in different parts of the spectrum. Maybe you are more in the middle. It just depends. I think you can be anywhere on that spectrum and then you can have different levels of health with this as well. So I want to talk to you today about no matter where you're at on the spectrum of high or low conflict, how can you have conflict? Well, because to be in a relationship means there should be conflict. We are two separate humans trying to come together as one. If we do not have conflict, it means we're not talking about everything. It is impossible to not have some form of conflict. Maybe you work through it really well. And so maybe you don't even call it conflict because you guys have are, are so healthy and work through it well. And so that would be the only exception is maybe you just don't call it that. But there will be moments where we have disagreements, where we see things differently, where where how we want to do it and how they want to do it is different. And that creates what I call conflict. And so that is important because that's how we authentically show up to our marriages is that we are vulnerable. We share what's on our heart. We share what's bothering us in the right way and not with every little thing. We'll talk about that, but we do need to work through that together. And that, that actually creates more health that binds us closer together. Um, if you've ever heard the term rupture and repair, um, I think the term started specifically talking about a therapist client relationship, but maybe not. That's how I, I first learned about it at least. And we talked about how, you know, in a therapist, therapist client relationship, there's going to be moments where we have a rupture, where there's maybe some tension. There's a, a, a different perspective, a, a moment where we don't, show up for them in the right way or, or, you know, whatever that is, there's just a moment where there's a a rupture, right? Some kind of conflict. And then there's the repair that comes after. And the key is making sure the repair always happens. And actually what happens after the repair is a strengthened relationship because you've seen yourself go through not just like honeymoon, happy phase, but it's like, Hey, we actually are willing to show up for this relationship and work through some hard things. And so conflict actually creates 
creates deeper relationships. You know, think about friendships that you have. If you have a friend that is just always happy-go-lucky and it's easy and it's fun, those are great relationships, but they're probably not as deep as maybe some others that maybe you've like been through the seasons with and you've had moments where it doesn't always go perfectly and then you guys have talked through it and you've worked it out and now that relationship is even stronger you know, again, there could be maybe an unhealthy person that you move away from. But if you guys chose to continue to pursue that relationship, you both wanted to keep making it deeper than that conflict and the repair actually made that relationship deeper. So this is essential in our relationships. And so I want to first and foremost say that we need to be having this. So that's key. Now, how do we do that? Okay. I'm going to start with the biggest one first. Um, they're all big though, but, but this is like one of the keys and you've probably heard me talk about it before if you've been here around here a long time, but this is starting from a place of peace. Now, the way I know how to do this is through the four steps. And this is what I teach in restoration theory. This is what, uh, the healed mom Academy is all about. This is what the, if I do coaching with you, this is what I use. This is what I use as a therapist. Um, when, when I was acting as a therapist or when I've been in therapy, this is crucial and it's, you know, anyone can figure out how to get to a place of peace, but sometimes we don't know how to get there. And the four steps that I teach you help you get there. And so let me share an example. You might've heard me share this before, but you know, say your husband comes home from work and he, okay, well, I'll just talk first person because this is something that's really happened to me. (laughs) So my husband in the past, uh, many years ago would come home from work and he would not hug me and he would just kind of go about his, his, you know, go about wherever. I think this was even before we had kids. So, or maybe he would go hug the kids first. And, um, and so he would do that. And when that would happen, I would feel alone. So right now I'm talking about my pain cycle. And so, uh, all of us have a pain cycle, which is comprised of about three core wounds that have started when we were kids and they've just been reinforced throughout our life. And so those same wounds show up in our current relationships. And so one of my core wounds is that I feel alone. And so, I, he didn't hug me. And so I get triggered and I feel alone. Now, the second part of our pain cycle is what we do when we get triggered. So the first is the feeling. And then the second is the destructive coping. So in order to cope with feeling alone, most often I get angry and that is how I cope with that. Um, now, I always say destructive coping because this is not a positive way of coping, but it's my brain trying to get out of that pain. And there's a lot more science behind it that I teach you if, if you go deeper with me. Um, but it, essentially our brain is trying to get out of that pain. And so my, I get angry. Now, it doesn't mean we don't have responsibility here. It just means like this is the brain trying to function and, and we have control of our brains. So anyways, I get angry. So what would happen is I would, you know, start saying something to him, whether I was yelling or just having kind of, um, an angry attitude towards him. Like, Hey, you didn't even hug me. How could you? I feel like I can't believe you would do that. Right. And like coming from this place of anger. And so how is he going to respond to that? Most often, if someone approaches you that way, like, how could you not hug me? Do you even care about me? I can't believe you did that. Right. Most often they're going to get triggered in their pain cycle. And so he would, yes, get inevitably, not inevitably, he does have a choice, but most often that leads to pain leads to pain. So he would get triggered. His pain, his core wound is that he, uh, feels inadequate. 
And so for him, he just worked a hard day and probably felt inadequate on and off throughout the day in a really high intense work environment. Um, he has a lot of responsibility on his shoulders. So he probably already is coming in a little dysregulated from the day. And then he comes in and he, I say that to him and maybe he like really wants to be a good husband. And truly I believe he does for a long time. I didn't understand that, but I do believe he wants to be a good husband. And so for him, when me, when I'm telling him like, you miss this, this means you don't care about me. This means you're not loving me. He goes to a place of pain and, and feels inadequate. Like he is not showing up for me. He's not being there for me. Like I want him to be. And when that happens, he goes into his destructive coping, which is for him. One of his ways of destructive coping is withdrawing. And so he withdraws from me. And so I am getting angry at him and he moves even farther away from me. And he, you know, maybe just, um, doesn't, doesn't acknowledge what I'm saying or goes in the other room or whatever that looks like in that moment shuts down in some way. And so to me, it looks like this is proof that he doesn't care. This is proof that I'm alone. This is proof that my pain is reinforced. Right. And so you can see how like it perpetuates itself. And now I'm in a deeper place of pain. I'm back in my pain cycle even more. And I feel more alone. Maybe I also feel out of control because I feel like I had tried to have a conversation with him, even though I was out of anger and I tried to have a conversation and it it made it worse. So I feel out of control, which is another one of my pain points. And so now I'm going to go into even more of my destructive coping. And this just keeps cycling and cycling and cycling. And so that is unhealthy conflict. (laughs) We didn't resolve anything. You know, I probably ended up getting angry even more and they could have ensued. It depends on the season we were in, but sometimes it ensued into a much bigger fight. Sometimes it just, um, dissipated and we never resolved it, but that is unhealthy conflict. Now let's try it with the four steps. So we go back, rewind the scenario. (laughs) My husband walks in the door. He doesn't hug me. I feel alone and I would normally get angry and maybe I even start getting angry, but then I'm like, wait a minute. No. And I say, okay, babe. Hey, and here's the four steps. First, I feel alone. Um, I would normally get angry, but the truth is I know I'm never alone. I know you actually are with me. So instead of getting angry, I want to connect with you. Hey babe, can I have a hug? Like how different is that? Right. Or maybe this is an ongoing thing. Maybe I've already had a conversation with him about like, Hey, it really is important to me that you hug me before you hug the kids. And we have had these conversations before. And so then, you know, he, he hugs the kids first again. And, um, and, and by the way, this is, I I think a healthy thing that you can do in your marriage is, um, when you enter a home, like hugging each other first to show that priority. And I know it's challenging because sometimes kids run up to you. And so I don't think you have to be, in my opinion, super strict about it, but I think it's a, a, a way to be intentional. Um, and me and my husband have both agreed on this. And so there's been times where, you know, he slipped up again and he hugged the kids first. Right. And, uh, and maybe it wasn't even like they were running up to him. He just kind of forgot and, and went and hugged them. So I could approach it from my anger place, or I could approach it with these four steps and say, Hey babe, I, I'm feeling alone. I would normally get angry, but the truth is I know you're with me. And so I'm going to choose to connect with you instead of getting angry. Hey, you know, we talked about hugging each other first when we come into the house and you didn't do that today. Like, can we talk about that? 
what's going on, you know, and maybe he's like uh, feeling disconnected from me. Maybe he was totally by accident. Right. But we would start that conversation from a place of peace, right? I'm starting from the assumption that he loves me. I'm starting from truth that I need, that I am never alone, right? I'm starting from healthy ways of handling the situation. And so the four steps are one, say what you're feeling. Second one is say what you would normally do. The third is say the truth. And the fourth is say what you're going to do instead. And then the fifth one is do that. (laughs) Um, And so like, you know, and and there's a lot more into it. I I don't want to go too deep into it, but that is restoration theory. Those are the four steps and starting conflict from that place is going to be a game changer for you. And it's not easy, by the way, it's really hard to do. But when you choose that, even if it means you have to step away for a minute and do those by yourself and you get yourself to a, a, a grounded place, um, even if you have to do that, that's going to be a game changer for how you have this conflict and how you show up for that conversation. So if you want to do this and go deeper, I, you know, I hope you can hear what I'm saying and, and apply it, you know, and I, and I have a I have more information on this in episodes 15 through 20. I unpack all of it, but I know a lot of us need more support in this. So that's why I have the Healed Mama Academy so that you can go deeper and actually create your pain and your peace cycle. So the the first part was the pain cycle. And then the second part with your truth and your new uh, coping behavior is the peace cycle. And that helps you have a map for how to navigate every, in any and every situation where you are dysregulated. And those four steps lead you out of that place. And over time, it will literally rewire your brain so that now I actually go to those truths, like without thinking about it. Now, I still get dysregulated sometimes and I have to walk through it or I have to take a moment. Um, But so much more than in the past do I automatically go to that place of truth versus believing these lies that I'm alone, that I'm not good enough, um, that I'm out of control. And so it is so cool to see as you work through this, how it builds over time. Um, and so that's why I made the Academy a whole year now so that you can have time to really get some momentum here. And I can help, uh, remind you again and again, Hey, what about your four steps? Hey, did you use your four steps? Hey, did you try it here? Hey, here's how you could use it in this situation. And so we walk through it as a group. Um, and I, I coach you in the intricacies of that. So if that is something you want in your life, you know, you need it in your marriage or in your motherhood, or maybe it's with your (laughs) in-laws, it applies to any relationship. Um, I would love to get to be there for you. You can go and find out all the information and apply at morningmama.co. That's morningmama.co. And I, yeah, I just love getting to work with you and, um, learning your story and helping you change the old cycles into new ones. So that's like the best way to start conflict is from a place of peace. Um, that's number one. All right. Number two, here is, um, this is for those of you in those low conflict couples, and that is to share what's going on. We do need to share what's going on in us. Now I'm going to have another one in a minute where we got to filter some of the things, but we have to share. If we are just pushing down every thing that comes up and we're not, uh, acknowledging it. Right. And, and here's the thing. Let me actually, maybe I should rephrase this. Um, acknowledge what's going on. And sometimes we need to share it. 
because we don't need to bring up everything. Like I keep referencing, we don't need to bring up everything, but we do need to acknowledge it. So now every time I get dysregulated, I can feel it. I can sense it because I've done so much work around this that I, it's intuitive to me. I don't I, like it. I, I, I notice I'm like, Ooh, I'm dysregulated right now. Okay. What happened? Let me back up. And I go through it in my mind. And so I acknowledge it to myself at least, if not also with my husband. And when you do that, when you acknowledge it every time, it helps it not just build up and build up and build up so that you're in a place where you're like, I don't even know why I'm upset. I'm just angry. I just feel anxious. I just am in a bad place. And so when we acknowledge it, every time it comes up, it's going to help us to show up in a healthy way because we are aware of what's happening. And if we just try and shove thoughts and feelings down and just shove them and shove them and shove them. I'm fine. It's not a big deal. It's okay. Right. Then it's actually going to lead to a place where it explodes, right? Like that's what used to happen to me a lot is I would shove things down and shove it down and not know what to do with it. Um, and then it would explode. And so we don't want that to happen. And so we need to acknowledge every time something is going on inside of us. And then sometimes we need to share that. Um, and so, you know, when something is reoccurring, I'll give you the filters for how to share it. Why don't I reverse some of the order of this? So so that's number two. Number three is this one. Pray about what you want to share or give it a minute to see if it's important. So this is kind of the filter you use. So, you know, as I'm saying, you need to acknowledge it, at least internally, and then sometimes you need to share it. And I don't think like, so it's, it's this fine line. And this is something we'd have to like work out in coaching the, the specifics of it, but we don't want to share everything because that could end up looking like criticism. And I think I've, uh, I veer more towards that side naturally. And then I think I've done a pendulum swing to the other side where I like didn't say anything ever. And now I'm trying to find a happy middle ground where I'm like, okay, I need to say, same, say things sometimes, but not every time. And so a way to filter that is to pray like, God, oh, is this something that you want me to share? Is this something I need to work through with my husband? And, and, you know, going back to the four steps, that's a really great way to filter that. Cause if you get yourself to a place of peace, then you'll be able to better recognize, is this something that is healthy to share and talk through, or is this something I need to work with, uh, work through with God. And so just making sure you're, you're trying to take a moment to filter through what's going on. Another way, you know, if the, if the conflict hasn't already started, um, a, a great way to, to, to check yourself is to go step aside for a minute, uh, try and get yourself calm. If you have the four steps, you can use those. Um, or just kind of, sometimes I've noticed just distracting myself for a minute. Now you got to be careful with this because we don't want to distract ourselves so much that we don't actually work through what happened. So if there was a real moment that was upsetting, we need to work through it, whether it's, uh, internally and with God or whether it's with our husbands. And so you know, you want to distract yourself enough to calm down, but then you need to go back and revisit the the thought, the, the pain point and think, okay, what happened? What's going on? What am I feeling? And really work through like, okay, is this something I should go and process with my spouse? So those are some, some tricks. Um, now I know not every conflict 
like is planned, right? Sometimes, sometimes it starts because we uh, are like, oh, I need to bring this up. And sometimes it starts because we just let our mouth go or our husband lets his mouth go or whatever else, right? So um, some of these tips are also just for those moments where it's already out in the open and you're already in the midst of conflict. Okay, now it's out there. How do we handle it well? So um, one of the things you can do, uh, whether you are going and intentionally sharing or it just has already arisen, is number three, stay focused on what's going on for you, not what the other person is doing wrong. Now, I'm not saying you don't acknowledge what they're doing, um, you know, if they're hurting you unintentionally or intentionally in some way, um, but we have to try and stay focused on us. So let's go back to that situation where my husband walked in the door. So if I'm going up to him and saying, you always come home and, well, I'm going to another point about not using always and nevers, but you come home and you don't hug me and I can't believe you. You don't care. You, right. We're, we're focused on their wrong behavior. We're focused on, uh, what they did. Now, how different does it sound if I'm saying, Hey, Hey baby, it was really hard for me when you didn't hug me when you walked in. I, I missed you and I love you and I'm excited to see you. And I just, I was, I was kind of, I felt alone and I just really wanted to be with close to you, you know? So how, and I know that's like a very calm way to say it. (laughs) You have to get yourself to a peaceful place, but we want to just try and focus on like how things impacted us. Like someone's going to be a lot more likely to hear us if they're thinking about how, we are hurting versus like already going to accusing and you're in the wrong and you did this and all of this, right? You hear, I'm still acknowledging what happened and what caused pain, but ultimately we are trying to focus on ourselves. Now also you gotta be careful with when I say what caused pain. Sure. That was um, a point of pain. I do want to say that we are responsible for our own pain. Um, we need to take ownership for what we're feeling and make sure that we are regulating ourselves with truth of God. Um, now that doesn't mean that people are allowed to hurt us. And it doesn't mean it's our fault when people hurt us. What I'm saying is we are responsible for how we handle that pain. So when the pain comes, we are responsible to take care of it. It's not saying you made me angry, right? No, you did something that hurt and I got angry from that, right? So we are responsible for ourselves. And um, I talk about this more when you dive into restoration theory and it is challenging, but I believe that's what God calls us to. Um, and then we got to talk through and work through how they hurt us and, and work through that. Okay. Number four, if you are sharing, uh, with, with your husband and it hasn't, the conflict hasn't already started, then it is key that you share it in the right timing. So I know I can be guilty of this where it's like so heavy on my heart and I just want to say it. And it just like, I just need to say it now. (laughs) 
but he just got home from work or he's in the middle of cooking and our children are like fighting in the other room, right? Or he's in a rush and he's trying to walk out the door and I'm trying to bring up this big point, right? So we do need to share with our husband what's going on, but we need to make sure we have the timing right. And sometimes we might even need to prepare them. I know I knew someone before that would kind of say like, hey, here's some talking points that I want to talk about when we have um, time together tomorrow or later this week, I would like to talk through these things. So they're already kind of prepared for their thoughts on it. Um, and I'm not saying like send a scathing email and talking about all their flaws saying like, Hey, here, I want to talk about, um, what we're doing for discipline and making sure we're on the same page. Cause maybe he did something different than you guys have agreed on and you need to talk about it, right? That's conflict, but you know, you want to give him a minute to, to, get his thoughts together. So you can prepare them or at least share in the right timing. All right. Number. Okay. My numbers are all off because I rearranged them. Okay. I think number six is, uh, I think that last one was number five. And then, um, number six is speak life, speak to the person you want him to be. So in the midst of a conflict, try to remember that one, this is God's son. Like this is a child of God, that God made this kid. And just like you would want someone to talk to your kid kindly and and lovingly, God wants you to talk to his kid kindly and lovingly. And our words have so much power. And the more we speak life over someone, the more they're going to be filled with life. That means they're going to be more Christ-like. They're going to act more in ways we like versus speaking death over someone. And um, that's going to have a negative impact on them. And direct them in the opposite way. So we want to try and speak life, speak to the person that you know he's called to be, speak to the person you, you married, right? You married them for a reason. Um, and then what I referenced before is do not use the word never, do not use the word always make sure we're not painting that picture. Cause even if you feel like it's always happening, is it truly every single time, never an exception happening? I can almost guarantee it's not. And maybe it is, but there's probably one you missed, you know? So the, and that's just, it's a hopeless kind of statement. It's going to, um, make it really hard for them to take ownership for something because they probably can remember exceptions to that. And from their perspective, that might not be happening. What you're bringing up might not be happening at all. Um, and so for them to even see your perspective, you want to make sure not to use never and always, it's not going to be helpful in your conversation. Um, you know, along with what I already said, you don't want to assassinate his character. So don't make these blanket statements about you are just a bad husband. You just don't care. You, you know, those kind of things, right? That's assassinating his character. And that's not helpful. That is going to have a lingering effect on him because again, our words have power and you probably don't really believe that. And it's probably, even if you believe it, it's probably not true, right? Like I assume a lot, my husband doesn't care, but it's actually not true. So we've got to make sure we're not making these blanket statements about that. Um, we also just want to try and assume the best and this takes work, but try and assume he does care. Try and assume it was unintentional. Try and assume he's trying his hardest and try and keep those kind of things in the back of your mind. How can I assume the best of 
Okay, number seven, remember that you're on the same team. And this is really key as you go throughout your day, in the middle of conflict, as you think about him, as you're parenting, all the time. Just remember you are on the same team. You guys are not against each other. You are for each other. And how can you be for him? How can, how can you remember that he's for you? You guys are on, you're not on opposing sides trying to win the argument. You're on the same team trying to come to a peaceful resolution. So that's something key to remember. You're on the same team and then be a good teammate, right? Good teammates compromise. You know, I got a lot of, uh, share a lot of things that you guys shared talked about like well what do we do he likes to go out and I like to stay in or another person said I like to go out and he likes to stay in okay how do you guys compromise right we know how to do this we talk through together hey we're on the same team this is something that's really important to me I know that's something that's really important to you what do you think would be a solution how could we come up with some ideas and then you guys write down like 10 different options more than just two at least three probably more like 10 and talk through what would be the best option and then try one of those options. So if that's you guys and one of you likes going out, one of you likes staying in, try um, one night of the week going out and then the rest of the night staying in. Um, Maybe try, you know, I don't know how much you guys like to go out. I don't know how people go out more than like a couple times a week with kids, you know, whether it's a Bible study or whatever, it's just a lot. Um, you know, so try two times a week, you know, what you guys know your situation, but try something where you guys are both getting parts of what you want and then show up for the other person. If he likes to go out, show up for him and have a good attitude and go there willingly. And then if you like to stay in and when you like to stay in, you guys like to cuddle on the couch, then you know, that's going to help him want to show up for that. If you fully show up for his, try and work to be on the same team, sacrifice for each other, lay down your life for him by sometimes doing what he wants to do, even if it's not what you want to do, right? That's what marriage is all about. Now, those are some really brief, like surface thoughts about conflict. I know it's way more complicated. I know there's so many situations that, that those things don't, um, fully explain and go into. So again, my encouragement to you is if you are struggling with conflict, whether it's having too much conflict or not enough conflict or not healthy conflict, get some help. This is something where you really do need a coach or someone to support you in this. And then if you do just want to work on yourself, if you're hearing me talk about these things and you're like, there's no way I could be that peaceful to, to even think about those things in the midst of conflict, then come and let me teach you the four steps. Let me teach you how to get regulated so that you can have those kind of healthy conversations. Um, and again, you can go apply to be a part of the Academy at morningmama.co, morningmama.co. Um, but whether it's me or someone else, get some help. We all need to tune up on our marriage. Well, I hope that you have grown from this series and that God has blessed you through it. And this is just inspiration to keep going and figure out where God might want to bring some healing and restoration to your marriage. You can do this. You are capable It is hard work, but it's making you stronger and it's making you better. And it's um, bringing glory to God as you work through it. So let me just pray over you. God, I just thank you for the gift of marriage. God, I thank you that uh, it's something that helps us grow and uh, just brings glory to you. God, I pray for every marriage, God, that you would just show us um, and teach us and move in us to have healthy conflict where we can come together and sacrifice for each other and, um, 
exemplify your love through how we love each other, God. I pray you would grow each of the marriages that are represented here. I pray you would lead them to the resources they need to get healthy and to stay strong. I pray you would put mentors in their life and uh, great examples in their life, God, and that you would give them everything they need to see this through, Lord. Um, We just thank you that you care about every detail of our lives, God, and you never leave us or forsake us, God. So I just declare healthy, whole marriages in the name of Jesus, God, and we just thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Love you, Mama. If you found hope and inspiration in today's episode, then hit subscribe. Make sure you don't miss a moment on this journey of healing. Want to help more mamas enter into the hope and freedom you have found? Please take a moment to leave a review. This helps so much to get Morning Mama seen so that more mamas can find this space. Lastly, please come say hi in our Facebook group, Morning Mama Collective. I would love to meet you and learn your story. Let me know where you're getting stuck in your healing journey so that you can help inspire more episodes. I am so grateful for you, Mama, and I cannot wait to see all that God has in store for you. Mama.